Exit the Matrix podcast. Uh, I mean, Drew Law, aka Mean TMK, Mean Habibi, plus size model pronouns. He, him, I am, uh, in the place to be, uh, with, uh, the belly, the belly of the beast, Washington, D.C., northeast side. Uh, I have, uh, two amazing people here with me. You know them. Uh, let them introduce themselves. It's the motherfucking mo man, little tanky to could, you know what I'm saying? Little commie thotty hotty, you know what it is. Hey folks, it's Kita. I, I, should we jump in? I feel like we haven't. Does anyone have a story time or anything nah, they want to nah, get nah, out nah, their nah, chest? Brother, people is waiting. People are waiting. So uh, what you're saying is we should jump into Enter the Matrix. Yes, let's get it. It's nothing personal for me. It's just business. The streets of Baltimore, on the streets of Detroit, during the the sixties in New York City. Immediately within it, you are going to get those people whose differences are not being articulated, which is right us. This is Enter the Matrix, where we break the latest national and international news through a leftist perspective. For updates, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Matrix Podcast. Well, my friends, you know, elections are happening all over the world all the time. Hey, hey, they big mad, bro. They big motherfucking mad, bro. Yeah, a lot of mad people here in America, uh, December 6th. Hey, but, you know, you can't spell mad without Maduro. Without Maduro. Well done. That was a joke. Damn, that was a good one. I'm, I'm gonna turn it into a, I'm gonna turn that into a meme, Exit the Matrix podcast, uh, on Instagram. Um, on December 6th, uh, last week, Venezuelans elected a new national assembly with a left political majority, majority, Nicolas Maduro and his Bolivian, uh, Bolivarian party has won big in the new Venezuelan elections. Of course, America is jumping out there saying they're fraudulent elections. And, like the, uh, and this is despite can you can you fucking imagine, bruh? I mean, literally living in the belly of the beast, the shit we've been prepared for in this fucking country, the shit we've went through, what the fifty plus fucking failed court fucking challenges, uh, this motherfucker whining and dining state legislators to overturn the public popular vote, talking about subverting the will of the fucking people in venezuela they're just the balls <laughs> extreme international oversight all kinds of different publications around the world are talking about how venezuela does its elections your fingerprint is required for you to vote yet somehow these elections are fraudulent 45 is out here talking about uh, the, the Proud Boys were just here oh, in Washington, D.C. protesting. Just, just stabbing oh, motherfuckers and getting stabbed. Right. And I think they're still here. Yeah. yeah I think they're still here. Yeah. And, and All through the fucking, uh, you know, metro, no fucking, uh, masks and shit. And what, and what are they talking about mainly? They, they saying fuck the government too. But what are they, how you, they saying fuck the government, we ride with Trump. We want Trump to be our emperor, Trump to be our king. But then y'all want to come around here and say that, Venezuela wasn't Venezuela like uh, uh, internationally chosen as as one of the freest, uh, safest elections. Yo, dead ass. Jimmy Carter wrote about that shit in his book. Man, there's a fucking living American president who went on record saying this shit has far less uh, uh, interference than American inter- uh, uh, elections. But see, this is where we go, come back to the rhetoric of it all, right? Because if people don't know, they're not going to understand that Venezuelan has really strong elections that they support people voting uh and it's not easy to be hacked and all the rhetoric around it is at least in the american newspapers from when i was doing looking all of this up is 
no, it was stolen, that there were 6.2 million people who came out for a symbolic vote against him, and, fact. you know, it, it, that the country's going to return to totalitarianism if we let them, if we move forward with this election in which 91% of the people voted. But we've seen this time and time again when we talk about American foreign policy. We saw this in the early 2000s in Palestine when they had elections, and then Hamas crushed Fatah. Automatically, these are delegitimate fucking elections. Corruption is our protection. We saw this in uh, South Vietnam when the Americans put up their puppet and it's like, look, we have to disallow other people to run because we all know Ho Chi Minh would win this shit. And, you know, so whenever the wrong guy wins, uh, that is to say the guy that doesn't absolutely kowtow and hasn't signed his soul away for the Dragon's deal the elections are illegitimate. I just want to point out that this is so hilarious to me that I I don't think we discussed it, but of course the world we live in is ridiculous. And as we're talking about America and the ridiculous things that they do, do you remember when Giuliani, I don't know if y'all watched it. I'd be watching crazy stuff like this, but when Giuliani was up there and they had like the other lawyers with them, one of the lawyers was literally like, and these machines were, the software was developed by Hugo Chavez. And they, this is how they stole the election. Your dead ass from the grave beat this motherfucking They're so nice with it. He's a fucking uh, mutant. Not only, right, not only is he a president, he's also, he's big into uh, software. He's like sitting on his computer, like writing code and stuff. But these are the type of allegations that we have to hear. But every publication you look at, it's like all oh, the the disputed elections, the disputed elections, the disputed elections. Um, and, you know, this, like you just said, it only happens when the guy that they didn't want to win wins. And that's why Juan Guaido, a person that didn't get a single vote, is out here saying that he's still the president, you know, and stuff like that. Yo, quiet is kept, though. Two, two quick points. Why is it now that we have a quote unquote democratic president has the foreign policy approach to Venezuela not changed at all? In fact, it's actually further to the right than even Trump's was. Like Trump has been in, in, uh, unable to get rid of these guys. Just this fucking Friday, the Venezuelan government stopped a fucking attack on one of their, uh, one of their huge petroleum foundries, right? So like, and we all know, or at least have a pretty good idea where those ops are coming from. All right, y'all ready to move on to the next thing? Let's do it. <clears throat> My man, can you bring us in? I think, is this your story? It's I all mean, of our stories, of course. Right, right, right. So I saw a story that I didn't, so this is one thing that I think is really interesting, especially talking with Kita, especially talking with Amin. One of the things I get from uh, the people is they're always like, wow, y'all know everything about, and it's like, nah, bro, we really don't. We have to do lots of fucking research. Doing our research. Yeah. But collectively, we know a lot. Because, yay, organized labor. So I saw a story that I didn't quite understand, but I I knew it was going to be important and relevant. And that is, apparently, uh, a woman of color, Timnit Gebru, wrote a paper working at uh, Google, uh, and it analyzed the AI and the ethics of the Google AI, and was promptly and summarily fired from Google. What are y'all thoughts? Do you want to go first, sir? No, you go first. <laughs> I always go. No, I don't always go no, first. No, no. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty equitable about that. Uh, I love reading about technology. So when you were like, what's your thoughts? I had so many thoughts. Um, because I, of course Google is saying that, you know, well, she resigned. <laughs> 
She resigned. She resigned. So you get they're like, nothing. They're like, well, no, she chose to leave for better opportunities. And then she had to come out and said, I absolutely did not resign. I don't work with Google. <laughs> the, uh, the employee chose to fall on their sword. Uh, sir, the point of entry was through the back. Um, they shot themselves in the head two times. <laughs> with oh, no, guys. Uh, but Sorry, her- we always take it there. <laughs> we do. We started so the terrible. game. We never got to finish. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that her dismissal uh, keeps getting framed as a resignation, and of course, her teams is saying that she didn't resign. But but the contention here isn't like, did she quit? Did she not quit? Did Google fire her? It's the why behind it. Because her and her team had uh, essentially drafted a paper that talked about all the potential risks associated with large language processing models and relying on data from internet access, which brings into the and kind of the account of the ethics. And to even you know use more layman's terms, it's when you ha- give AI the whole of the internet, is that reliable data? Which we can't say that it is because it has no restrictions, models, te- like you can't have a, a baseline test for it. But that also, what is the information that it's absorbing? And I've read other papers that talked about how when you set AI into um, the internet, you're going to find out a lot of things that, of course, we code our prejudices, discriminations, and isms into AI. We want to see AI as perfect, untouchable, it is a true neutral, but it's not because we input that data that affects all of that. And Gebru had written about it before where she was like, yeah, your AI discriminates against people of color because it can't even see our faces, uh, which was this whole other thing that we saw at the museum. Museums, never cool. museums, so fun. <laughs> yeah, and that it's the AI is bringing in racist, sexist, abusive, toxic language, and that's not getting modeled out. So, what is the AI learning? I think it's funny to me, right? Because it goes to the heart of diversity hires. When these people that are people of color are being hired because the expectation is you are the black person or the ethnic person that thinks the way we think. Right. So like automatically this person came in and was like, no, 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 no. Y- y- there's racism. It's like, oh, we hired the wrong motherfucking one. Psych. That's the wrong number. Oh! Yeah. Honestly, I don't really have much to add. Yeah. I was just saying oh like, yeah, there's a black woman here. Like, uh, uh, and, uh, 1.6% uh, percent of the Google employees are black women. You, you come into a, a, a job, right? And when you at the job, you completely pretend pretending. You walk in there and you you basically are like milk toast as possible. So you you hire these people, and then when it comes down to them blowing whistles, which this which America does not have a great track record with whistleblowers, then it's like, okay, well, why were you here? But the the the, the thing about it is, this would happen way more at places like Google, like Facebook, like all of the big uh, uh, social media accounts and the things that deal with AI. A small if, business on Amazon. You know, the diversity wasn't just about, and we're going to talk about this later, diversity for diversity's sake. Yeah, but that's what's interesting because it's not like she was whistleblowing. This was part of her job. This was research that she was supposed to do on it to help them identify flaws, but because she, and, and her team has been honest, this is going to affect Google's bottom line if we talk about this. And she also raised, like, who has internet access? The wealthiest countries. So then the AI only models homogeneous uh, and the wealthiest countries and then takes in those biases as well. 
Yeah, it reminds me of a movie that came out a while ago called Thank You for Smoking, right? Where, like, this lawyer's whole job was essentially to argue that tobacco doesn't cause cancer. Like, there's all these people who had jobs for decades, and their whole point was to punk holes in anything that says what we do is bad. That's what they were hired to do essentially. Yes, exactly that. And you can kind of see it in Gebru's history because I even started this saying that she was the one who figured out the artificial intelligence couldn't identify the faces of women and people of color. And and But Google didn't care about that discrimination because all it wanted to do was make its AI better so that it could identify people of color. And then what do you see? You see the Portland protest, the cops in the Portland protest gathering up protesters even with masks on because the AI could figure out and compostulate their faces even be behind the mask. And that's because she helped figure it out. And and she did it because it was like, well, if we want AI to be accurate. So I'm not saying like she's a bad person for doing this. It was part of her job. It has been used for evil. But like a lot of our things in capitalism are going to be used for evil. Um, And it's just fascinating because, of course, on this one, it's, hey, actually, all of your AI is built on racism and discrimination and biases. And it's only going to worsen the landscape of the Internet if you continue. And Google was like oh wait this could lose us money we gotta you you quit (laughs) and other than i feel like military contracts which you know you could argue that this is kind of a military contract when you're compiling people's data because then again they just sell it uh to the pentagon you know we see this with amazon we see this with facebook we see we now you know every that's where the money is people's data not just for advertisers but like you said for you know the american government so uh, i'd like uh, uh countries handling the coronavirus better than america for 1000 Argentina passes millionaires tax to help pay for coronavirus response. Uh, Argentina. Wait, 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 wait. But why would you actually tax the people that have the money that can pay that won't lose their homes if you tax them? Extreme poverty. How will you stimulate the economy? Simone Biles with those mental gymnastics. Did you any comments before I finish this? I I want you to finish, and then we'll dive into it. Argentina Senate has approved what's being called a millionaire's tax, a one-off levy on a round of twelve thousand of the richest citizens that will raise three point seven billion to help the government respond to the Rona virus crisis and buoy the country's economy. Talking about taxes, talking about taxing the rich, Uh, countries out here are doing what they can to protect their citizens, but as we see. Here over in America, where they can pass, you know, legislation that can give $840 billion to the military during, you know, this pandemic. They can pass a stimulus for uh, the wealthiest people in the world. Yet all these other countries that are supposed to be worse than America, right? Uh, they're, they're funding the, the uh, basic rights of the people. And I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I really enjoy linguistics and rhetoric and just having to read it around this article because, again, it's the propaganda, right? People are like, what is Argentina doing? They can't do that in a stagnant economy. Even though there's evidence that all of the millionaires have inched closer to becoming billionaires, they definitely have the wealth and assets. And Argentina, everybody's making a really big deal about it because it sets a precedent. But Argentina's like, this is a one-time tax to stimulate our economy and to make sure that people can stay healthy. And these millionaires have the money. And 
And Argentina, I think, is really clever because they were like, also your assets. So you can't just say that your business makes $1.3 billion, but you, lowly person, only get a $90,000 salary. Extreme poverty. Like, or even $1.2 million, honestly, because the cap here is two point five. I know. I mean, to me, it's just fascinating, right? Because I think it's really good at framing how far to the right the United States really is. Like when you put it in the context of the fact that Argentina, we talk about a lot of South American nations. And so like everybody's like, oh, South America is completely leftist. It really isn't. Argentina is the place that the fucking Nazis ran away from Germany to be at. This is the place where the literal Nazis went after World War II to like hide. So th- you're talking about a, a culture that was incredibly classist, that's incredibly uh, racist, racist, and super to the fucking right. And even they're like, nah, you fucks got to pay something for the society. You have to contribute to the society that you live in. And for them to say that, oh, well, the economy is stagnant, which really means, well, I won't be making as much money. So if you take away the excess of money that I have, then how will I make more money? Instead of other people who are like, we have no money. How will we eat? How will we house our children? How will we get, like, clean drinking water? Yeah, I mean, and just to play Overton window for just a second, right? Like, I think about, like, Tom Tom Cotton in Arkansas, the senator of Arkansas, fucking dickhead. I'm is, uh, trying to make stronger federal laws to increase child support. Because, in his opinion, if you bring life into this world, you have an obligation to take care of that life. My question then returns, what is the obligation of the state to provide for the citizen. You understand the personal fucking obligation that the citizen has to procreation, but like then what then is the fucking, what is the obligation of the state to see to the citizen? Exactly. And when you're looking at how many people have died or have been hospitalized because of COVID-19 and these freaking millionaires only got richer and they're arguing about paying their rightful contributions to stop people from dying and to keep people safe and healthy in the long term get the fuck out of here our biggest fucking enemy is capitalism it sound like you want to talk to him you don't make no money like that off of selling albums you make some sense your album gets sold in the stores for like $16, $17. And as an artist, you be lucky if you getting 35 50 cent off your album. Yo, that's real. Oh, yo, man, I'm going to cut you off right there. And let me tell you this something. is Talk To Him, where us old heads sit down to break down complex patterns of deeply embedded oppressive ideologies and how they manifest in today's society. For updates, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Matrix Podcasts. Motherfucking whippersnappers. Yeah, whippersnappers. Yeah, but let me tell you something about my day. Let me tell you Back something. Back in my day, the rappers didn't use auto tune. It was. And let me tell you no, something. Bro. I know. I know. That's not even the focus of this one, but. The fact that fucking a nigga that literally got away with murder is like lecturing. <laughs> you heard about that shit? Nah, talk about it. Snoop was talking about like, uh, you know, we really should leave something to the imagination. I'm not gonna tell you something. Fucking Cardi B for fucking WAP and, uh, and shit. We have to talk about this really quickly. Really oh quickly. Oh my god, like nigga, didn't you kill somebody? Are you really the voice of fucking morality? I'm first of all, first of all, I have something to admit. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I watched pornographic videos. I did. No way. Scandalous. I did. Um, you know, so, uh, one of the pornographic videos that I watched was Snoop Dogg's, uh, mic- porn mixtapes. Oh, you um, licked that Snoop Doggy dick? 
Uh, well, <laughs> I do not know how you live. Okay, Joseph. I'm gonna just try to push through. I'm just trying to push through. <laughs> He's not doing the pornography. He specifically isn't in the pornography. Shit, you never know, man. Mr. Goose making pornos and shit. These rappers be looking for alternative forms of, you know, uh... I, hey, look, we gotta bring it back. 1,000% regret saying we have to continue to talk about this. <laughs> it's too late. We can't go back now. But what, what you look... Do your research... Look up what Snoop's talking about and just the absurd hypocrisy that someone who literally makes music about fucking, about having kind of salacious relationships. If the homies can't, what the fuck? If the homies can't have none of what, bro? The brownies? Someone talking about they got a wet pussy. Thank God. More raps, please. More raps, please. All right. We had talked to him. We should have done our old, yeah, well, back in my day, women didn't rap. <laughs> How about that? And let me tell you something. Um, and let me okay. tell you something. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is talk to him. Um, we, uh, who's, anybody want to bring up the story? I got, I got it pulled up here. I can do it. Okay. No, one else no, got no, it. no. I got the story because right, it right. leads to a story, right? This is how dedicated and how freaking nerdy we are. I'm going to call us out. We're like, it's nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. <laughs> and here we are all video chatting each other. Other like, but the taxes. <laughs> Libertarians are always bitching about taxes. Look, I I want to say this. I'm a broke motherfucker. I don't got no money, but I don't give a fuck about taxes. Like I believe that taxes should be like taxes are not what I hate. What I hate is the dumb shit they do with my tax money. Yeah. So let's let's give them a little preface uh, right here. Um, you know, people are uh, people are remote working. Uh, as Momay would say, they're teleworking, you know. <laughs> Back in my day, I'm teleworking over the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 60 yards in the snow. Uphill <laughs> <laughs> both ways. I'm going to electronically mail um, complaining to your manager. Oh, okay, but your complaint's going by carrier pigeon, okay? <laughs> I'm your huckleberry. Um, but, you know, many people are working from home. It's what we should be doing. Most jobs can be done from home. So lots of people are doing a job from home, right? Great. Now what, what's going on is, you know, because revenue is way down, because late stage capitalism and this hyper capitalist world that we live in is completely unsustainable. These states are trying to like grab some income tax over here and grab some over here for people who are working out of state technically, even though they work in you know, a certain state. Now they're... Yeah, so, I mean, the question remains, in the utopia, since we have to acknowledge that taxes will exist, what are some innovative ways that we think are ethical that the government could draw and excise taxes? I believe in this one principle, right? The people with money should pay, right? And since corporations are people too... Small business on Amazon. Who got the most money from all of this fucking COVID shit? Even if corporations weren't people, which is bullshit anyway, they should be paying taxes. I do feel like it's each citizen's responsibility to pay taxes, but that's why I like Argentina that everybody's complaining about. Oh, we're going to tax the people who have been hoarding the wealth this entire time because you can't become a millionaire or billionaire in the United States without the exploitation of the working class. But what are some taxes that work for you, right? Like in this new world, right? I think it's important to acknowledge there's several different types of taxes, right? Even as a listener, we hear taxes and the only the first thing that we think about is income tax. But there are several different types of taxes. There are sales taxes. There are uh, import taxes, which are often called duty taxes. There are inheritance taxes. There are corporate sales taxes, right? 
what are some ways that you would be personally okay with the government generating taxes? Uh, what kind of taxes would you like to see? <sighs> I, you know, taxes are interesting to me. I'm totally down to pay taxes. Again, I, I'm totally 1000% with you, Mo Man. I like taxes. I like, you know, large you know, collective, uh, you know, institutions can create and build amazing things that small communities cannot, you know, you can't go to space based off a, based off a grassroots team, you know, this, this money that's great for, you know, the earth and the environment and humanity in general. So of course I agree with taxes. How I want it to happen is I don't mind a little sales tax. I don't mind a little income tax, but the main thing and the problem that I think is that the, the core of all of this is corporate tax. And what's below that is capitalism, late stage capitalism, and it's going to be end stage capitalism too where we all rent apartments from jeff bezos directly so none of that's going to change unless you quote unquote tax the rich which is never going to happen because nobody for it maybe capitalism ain't the way um we can talk about it just kind of hit me that yeah we're going to talk about who owes taxes and i think we all agree that millionaires and corporations owe taxes um because they're literally wouldn't be making profit without the working class but that what should we get rid of because I run into this argument a lot, and I feel Emoja does too, because when we talk to people and we say, hey, you know what, actually, there shouldn't be an inheritance tax because there shouldn't be an inheritance. Like, there's no amount of money you can tax it. And of course, people lose their damn minds where they're like, but how do I leave something to my kids? And it's like, okay, all you're leaving your kids is debt, um, and, and that doesn't help anybody either. Yeah, overwhelmingly, there's still a lien on the mortgage, right? Like, you don't even necessarily own the house. But if you have real income, this is where real wealth comes from. When Sam Walton died, he was worth $25 billion. In his will, he's able to pass on literally $5 billion to each kid. So, like, without a very strong... And what the fuck, what, what the fuck good idea did they ever have? We could talk about whether or not Sam Walton was a genius. We know his kids weren't. They just happened to be his kids. Well, 60% of personal wealth in the United States is inherited. Yes. So, you know, we can talk about Sam Walton all we want, but this is a, a systemic issue that go on down the line. And a few a few years later, I know it was a big, uh, big discussion, you know, like about they're like, oh, we're going to get rid of the inheritance tax. You can leave someone a house. I can leave somebody a truck. I can leave somebody my PS5 or my diamond ring. But the money can't just go back to the people because like generational wealth is not sustainable. Your kids resources, give them a business, give them a, a house, a car, you know, a Furby for, for all I care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, but the no. money, nah, I got to go back to the people. Furbies are so creepy. You can't take it with you. Yeah, you can't take it with you. But in terms of what should be taxed, it, to me, it's not even what, who or what should be taxed. I think we also have to ask, what are taxes paying for? And right now, I mean, in the United States, they're paying for the military industrial complex and the prison industrial complex. But what they should be paying for is, is what are the basic human rights, which is why I always say, uh, people should pay taxes and so that Everybody who is, who is, I don't even care if you're a citizen. Anybody who lives in this country gets housing. Everybody who lives in this country gets food that they need. Everybody in this country has access to clean water, has access to electricity, has access to the internet. That's what our taxes should go towards in order, and, and because they go towards that, then we're all invested in paying taxes because we can see that it's going to improve our roads, that it's going to make sure people get repairs on their homes without having to figure out 
where do I find $20,000 to repair a roof? Because insurance isn't going to pay for it. I think uh, one of the things I would fundamentally do in a utopia is redesign how the wealth is spent. Look, again, I figure out what my tax obligation is. And again, we seem to just be talking about income tax in this way. But then what I would like to do is after I figure out, okay, I owe this $4,000 this year for my tax liability or whatever the fuck. I want to spend 30% in the arts. I want to spend 5% on, on land maintenance, fucking, uh, 10% on fucking environmentalism. Like, I want to be able to say where I spend. And right now, that's a power that's controlled by Congress. Essentially, they're the ones that allocate what happened with the tax dollars. I feel like every single citizen should be able to vote what they want to have happen with their tax dollars. Yeah, that could happen on a county by county, state by state, federal base. I just worry that people are going to because people are voting against their interests now. And so people are are already complaining because uh, libraries, they don't think taxes should go to pay a library, even though the library tax is like not even a full cent of what you pay to your county. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, right, that's just the, the deficit of living in a fucking democracy. Not everybody want the shit you want, you know, and, and I, and I acknowledge that and I know that overwhelmingly probably a lot of things wouldn't change, but at least it would be in the hands of the people, which would cut some of the grift out of Congress from the jump. You can't necessarily buy all of us. Now, as to where I would see taxes coming from, like I think in this new age of digital commerce and such, I think a very useful tax could be a tax on power. Because again, right, who's going to have to pay the biggest of that shit? Companies that theoretically don't create much waste, right? Companies like Google, companies like all of the, all of the Silicon Valley that are doing huge data warehousing. That's got to require incredible amounts of power to do. That's not a tax that ever Joe Blow, even Joe Blow with the fucking mansion, your power consumption is nothing compared to what corporate power consumption is. So a tax on that is a tax that automatically a corporation's going to have to pay that even if if the citizens are paying it it's not going to be nearly as much i feel like we can talk about how we can tax the rich all day i mean it's it's going to come down to you know we we talk about the uh the carbon tax to me i i do disagree with uh, y'all a little bit in terms of putting it in hands of the people i feel like right now most people in the world if they could vote for uh, Medicare care for all, they would. I think it's over 60, 63% right now. Uh, I, I think people, there, there are certain think communities. Why can't communities decide if they defund the police? I would love if I could, oh, you know. Oh, I agree. They should be able to do that. I mean, the, I feel like these are not even things that in a democracy that are like great new ideas. We already have initiatives. I can, I can, uh, vote on if I want drugs to be legal, right? We talk, of course, the uh, American population is full of indoctrinated people because we live in this huge world of propaganda, the most evil, violent, obtrusive uh, uh, propaganda that you can possibly have. But I still feel like I would rather the power be with the people. And, you know, we get to vote and we talk a lot about voting. But at the end of the day, you're voting for a representative and that representative may Vote against your interests, but they're going to vote. You're going to vote for them because, you know, you, you're a weird. What do they call them? One, one, um, 
like one policy oh, voters or a few moments later not one policy single issue voters <laughs> single issue voters thank you uh of course i'm always ahead you know i mean how many people straight up are just single issue voters oh this person believes in this this person doesn't believe in this but, but so even I vote these for people them. don't necessarily take these things to the logical conclusion and i find that to be incredibly irritating i remember a conversation i had don't ask me why bro i was on one of these fucking aoc threads i have no judgments for you i go down those rabbit holes you know all the time saying? and she's arguing for like why we gotta end the fucking death penalty which like okay if we gonna have that conversation let's have it but then let's take it to the logical conclusion if you want to be a single issue voter on let's get rid of the death penalty what bothers me is now all of these black guys are gonna get killed they're gonna have been killed and then all of the dylan roofs just get to be on death row for life the the other question is okay so if we're going to be a society that doesn't believe in the the death penalty then are we going to take away the ability for law enforcement to use lethal force because other than that what the fuck difference does it make like i just won't let it go to court if i know that in this penal code this black guy who robbed this bank which i don't know he robbed a bank i know he's a suspect in a case now instead of bringing him into the courts where the courts are inefficient and they're just gonna i mean these what's the, the motherfucker in the watchman bro the, the, like the crazy motherfucker is just like the liberals have gone too far the crack team Get on a crack team. The, the one in the Watchmen, uh, the, uh, with Rorschach. Ding. Rorschach, right? Like, all of these cops are living their Rorschach fucking dreams and shit. And so it's like, so now we just have street justice. But like, is AOC gonna take a position that's like, okay, well then I feel like because I don't believe in the death penalty, I'm also gonna put forth legislation which removes the ability for law enforcement to use lethal force. No? then this dumb as hell. You're not really a single issue because you haven't thought the single issue out. No, I mean, great points, great points. Um, I feel like this is one of those moments where we've kind of dreaded, right? Like this next conversation we're about to have. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important that we do so. I mean, look, it's not a secret. You know what I'm saying? Black Lives Matter has been having all kinds of problems uh, as far as like a disconnect between the, the global movement and the individual movement. And I'm going to tell you a place where you saw a big – in Baltimore, for example, where DeRay is one of the biggest Black Lives Matter names, quote, unquote, uh, in the movement. But like none of the local Baltimore Black Lives Matter people – ever see him like he has no no connection to them he's not giving and so like now what's happened is all of these different um individual grassroots uh chapters have essentially called out this i mean they have six specific complaints about um their grievances which is not unreasonable the first one for example is patrice colors who's the only board member of a nonprofit, which is crazy and became executive director against the will of most chapters and without their knowledge uh that black lives matter grassroots wasn't created talking to the local chapters. So they're creating essentially new IPs, uh, intellectual properties that they're not consulting any of the collective, uh, grassroots movements and that the formation of this new Black Lives Matters grassroots separates the majority of chapters from, um, the broader net Black Lives Matter network, which I, I can't even talk to that. The just, oh, it's so corporate. Um, but that the chapter organizers have been consistently prevented from establishing financial transparency or collective decision making, which when we talk about grassroots and a means definitely brought this up before. People should talk to their communities. You have to involve them in any of the decisions that you make if you're talking about moving towards a utopia. 
One of the things that has irritated me so much as a person coming from a revolutionary perspective as far as my approach to anti-oppression goes is you look at all of the models that exist. And one of the private or more private conversations that's been happening in black communities is Black Lives Matter is the new Panthers. I cannot imagine Fred Hampton going on social media talking about I'm pissed off that I've been requesting a meeting with Joe the fucking segregationist Biden and they've left me on red for 35 days. Like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen from that? But it also shows you kind of what these local chapters and these uh, collective grassroots movements have been talking about where they're like, you started off with us and now you're so far beyond what we were moving towards that I don't recognize you and like what the hell is going on and I mean it goes into COINTELPRO and how like all of these movements get infiltrated and commodified and monetized in capitalism because it's like well now we can make money off of it you see it on t-shirts you see the pins you're like buying Black Lives Matter and then absolving yourself of your guilt. Mo man what was the quote that we were talking about that Lex Luthor was saying when he on Young Justice. Do y'all remember that? What was that quote? We'll just have to play the quote, man, because it's too good to even paraphrase. All right, let's do it. So don't attack. Embrace. Embrace and co-opt. Coming back to that point, uh, I think it's an interesting thing when you're looking at the axiom that's put out in liberal space, and that is access to influence equals power. So this person has been on Times, you know, person of the year and all of that. And like thinking that you have the ability now to leverage that clout into real power and real power is like house of cards in your shit. Like, no, real power is what the fuck I have. Don't talk about defund the police. What kind of deal could there have even been made? I just think about the ironic nature of this, because what was the name of the the black girl uh, who was doing all that work with Donald Trump? Uh, she was she did uh, Amarosa, Amarosa. Um, and it's like, everybody looked at her like, oh, what did you ever think was going to happen? How could you sell out like this? And it's like all summer for several years, in fact, not just even last summer, we're all out there talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about Breonna Taylor. We're talking about don't kill black people without trials. What type of deal did you think you could have with a person who on the trail was saying, I'm going to increase money to police departments? Ah, that's gross. Like, what could have possibly came if you would have got your sit down? And how is this different from what Ice Cube did? Like, to the set, it's to the point of it's just trying to leverage your celebrity into real power, and that just doesn't work. I know we hate 50 Cent on here. I hate 50 Cent on here. But he did say something about Kurt Franklin. He said, I got to get you for robbing God's people. And then, I don't know if this, if y'all are aware of this, uh, there is a lawsuit out on Kanye West right now because he did not play, pay the gospel singers. And I'm looking at this right here, the number six on this list here, Kita. Uh, it says, to the best of our knowledge, most chapters have received little to no financial sp- support from BLN grassroots, uh, since the launch in 2013. It was only in the last few months that selected chapters appear to have been invited to apply for a 500,000 grant created with the resources generated because of the organizing labor of chapters. This is not the equity and financial accountability we deserve. And I just think about it's always somebody at the top that's willing to sell everybody else at the bottom out. Identity politics will get you fucked up. You got to see where people really stand. People are their actions. Uh, I think it was Mo Man, you sent me this. It might have been Yukita. Patrice Colors was basically being like, 
if you got any questions for me, talk to my PR. Yeah. Like that, that can't be grassroots movement. Right. I mean, again, right. Compare and contrast the, the humility of the Panthers where every single person is up in the morning, you know, working on the 10 point program, making sure that like children, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. And cause I mean, you know what? This is, I feel like how a lot of, uh, uh, congressional, Nonprofits that receive a congressional appropriations get started. Like we're going to see at some point, Biden's going to be like, "Yeah, you're going to get be a congressional appropriated nonprofit. And we're going to give you money to do diversity." And that, like, we already kind of see how movements get infiltrated. And I feel like this is just another case of it, where instead of supporting their local grassroots movements who who are continue to do the work, the real to, work, to do the out real there fighting work, the Proud Boys to really, shit. yeah, showcase like, hey, we are not going to let you kill us. And for the Black Lives Matter grounded network and, and to say, oh, we're, we'll, we'll give you some grant money that you have to apply for. And that's just straight neoliberal bullshit. Yeah. I mean, and I say again, right, at what point do we start to utilize these networks to create accountability? Because power can be leveraged from this, but power requires ruthlessness. You know what I'm saying? Strategic ruthlessness. With the power that Patrice had, think about the impact she could have had if she would have used her networks to say, we are boycotting as black people. We cannot endorse the any black person voting for the Democratic Party since they are unwilling to commit to law enforcement reform. I have something on here. I was looking up. It's on the Exit the Matrix podcast Instagram. Um, it, it just talks about one of the things that you can do, um, you know, in this late stage capitalist world to, to, to start building, you know what I'm saying, on the grassroots movements. You know, all movements are grassroots. And this thing, it, it, it said, number one thing you can do is build an affinity group. An affinity group is a small group of five to 20 people who work to, together uh, autonomously on direct action or other projects. Affinity groups generally consist of like-minded people come together, you, you know, so on and so forth. And I feel like that's kind of the energy that was behind Black Lives Matter in, in 2013. It was the grassroots movement. It was, you know, people really... We're doing direct work. And that's where I feel like all these great ideas come from because people are on the ground. They're seeing it happen in real time. And I feel like the more and more you pull back, the more and more you get into this neoliberal world where you're living cushy and you're living, you know, that's kind of like, what, what is it? Celebrity activism, the derays and stuff right. like that. Like, when are we getting into the point where like we have to call out any of these activist quote unquote activists as soon as they get on this clout train? Yeah, yeah, cause that, that's when it all goes downhill. Whew, that was a, that was a tough one. Any, any more comments on this one? Yo, bruh, have you seen the fucking blue made America great again? I, <laughs> okay, yeah. Is there anything, this is the liberalism, bruh. Um, so I, I, if you're on Twitter, I'm on Twitter once in a while. Exit the Matrix podcast is on Twitter, Matrix podcast. <laughs> Uh, I came across this blue, this blue, I guess it's like make, okay, here it is right here, right here. You made America great already. Aww, hats. That's gross. Um, M-A-G-A, MAGA. 
Um, they're like these blue hats. They're not made necessarily by the like official Biden people or whatever. But I mean, you know, you can tell that these type of things have been greenlit. There's all kinds of different merchandise out here for for 46, you know, like all this goofy, like I, I swear this because you said I feel like their logo looks exactly like Hillary's logo. <laughs> I, I mean, I cannot tell the difference. And they they made a huge stink because AOC had put out some shirts that was like 60 bucks, you know, and I am not here to stand for AOC. But they were like made, quote unquote, ethically, and they're made in the uh, United States. That's how much a t-shirt's gonna cost you if you're making it ethically. I had, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna let y'all talk, and then I'm gonna bring up some more of the uh, Biden Harris um, apparel. Do y'all have any thoughts on the "Made America Great" okay, look, already? When hats. the Nazi endorsed Biden, and it was like, oh, no comment from Biden, but maybe he shouldn't do it. I was like, look, these are symbols signals, calls to action. I'm not even fucking surprised. He already said nothing was going to change because he's already a racist, segregationist, capitalist, white supremacist. Corruption is our protection. Yo, and we ain't even named half of this motherfucker's moral failings. Fucking corn pop. Yo, all I'm saying though is, I mean, think about how quickly, I think it's ironic because it goes to the truth of the fact that, you know, both Voting groups are low information voter groups, right? And both groups are readily willing to jump in the cult-like behavior. So these are the blue MAGA motherfuckers? Like, are we serious? Like, these are the people that are like, Joe Biden has literally tweeted out, yeah, you know, my, my responsibility is to get the uh, corporate uh, malfeasance wiped away for the, the COVID companies to get the vaccine out and to get everybody back into schools. And it's like, that shit may as well have been put out by fucking by by Trump, man. Like nothing about my 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 responsibility is to get Americans money. Like and when he came up with the conversation about you know nobody wants to fucking hand out, bitch, wasn't your campaign bagging just two fucking weeks ago? Extreme like, poverty. Do y'all like, remember? I feel like after the MAGA hat explosion, there was all these like parody MAGA hats, and one of them was like make America investigate Breonna Taylor's murder again. And it's like, why are we trying to mesh these two? I, I don't know. Why are we trying to mesh these two things together? And, and, I, and I, I really think that was like a big misstep where people were like already, you know, like the, oh, orange man, stupid, you know, LOL. And it's like people out here doing ridiculous, you know, people out here, you know, getting hurt from these policies and y'all trying to make fun of it or y'all trying to subvert these expectations, you know, I just thought that was ridiculous. And now look at it. They're keeping this shit alive because they secretly love it. Uh, a leftist or you're a poor person in this world. The Bidens and Trumps all look the same from from where you sit. And so I, I pulled up the Biden store here. Uh, 46 socks, socks with the, the 46 on it. Not oh, 46. Okay. Of them. I was Sorry. like 46 pair. <laughs> that would of be socks. 46 pairs of socks. <laughs> hey, I do love a brand new pair of socks though. I will say I, I keep my sock game moving. $25. One pair of socks, $25. Uh, you want a cold tote, a little cold tote? $155. What? Uh, what? Yep. If you're For like a canvas bag tote. <laughs> you know what they're selling too? They're selling masks. Pre-order, $28. And this goes back to the original in indictment that the conservatives had about the Democrats. These are latte liberal motherfuckers. Motherfuckers are literally about to lose their homes. People ain't getting they go back to brunch. unemployment and shit, man. It's back to, hashtag back to brunch for They're selling $150 totes and shit. Uh, I, I heard that 
Rahm Emanuel was a part of it. Did did y'all see that? Is that still a thing, or did he pulled out from? Man, it? look, Rahm Emanuel. I don't know what the fuck dossier he's got on all these people, man. Because like he stays in power in the Democratic fucking institution. <sighs> look, I, I look at at Biden's cabinet picks, and. It's what we talked about before about how the Democrats have absolutely tried to monetize on woke points. Embrace and co-opt. And I, I look at, ca- at Biden's cabinet picks. Of course, this is also, you know, people of color don't have to invest in the interests of people of color or try to do better or work towards anything. But the fact that he has mostly, wi- uh, I won't say mostly women, but mostly people of color, um, definitely more women than have been traditionally uh, selected. I look and I'm like, this is so fucked up because any criticism against them is going to be like, well, why do you hate women? Why don't you support uh, Latine folk women and, and non-binary folks like why don't you and and, and they all they're going to do is the status quo ice is not a better organization home department of homeland security is not a better organization because it's overseen by a latina woman like that doesn't make any fucking sense to me it should go away it shouldn't be here i don't care who you put over it to make it more palatable embrace and co-opt and we understand these optics when we see them with Republicans. Like, no one believes that a black dude got a better chance in the Supreme Court because Clarence Thomas is there. What the fuck would make you think that automatically because a black person is the Department of Defense fucking, you know, secretary, that is gonna, he's gonna be less fucking violent? Like, it's the job. This idea that you can somehow get a president in uh, office and then push them left. Like, they got all of this stuff planned out. These picks have been sitting, they've been arguing about these picks and going over all the quid pro quos about. And it brings us right back to the Google point because these are, these are minority hires. These are ethnic hires. But the point about them is they never write the paper that indicts the Google AI. That's how they got there. That's what the vetting process is. I mean, his cabinet pick for Federal uh, Reserve is absolutely someone who oversee, who's been in banking for a really long time, who was in Hillary Clinton's camp. And you kind of look at this and you're like, oh, I see. You're supposed to get everybody back on track and the millionaires their money, like to make even more income. And you kind of, yeah. But of course, he's also being called progressive, which... Wow, what the fuck do words mean anymore? He's being called progressive for for having a multicultural cabinet. And at the same time, he's also ignoring all of those community... Uh, and I know community organizers and community uh, activists and grassroots organizers, some of them did this out of desperation, but they did support Biden. And of course, he's ignoring... All of them in favor of the status quo. And it was like, you guys, of course he was going to capitalize on all of your hard work. Just like he tried to say, we have to pay for his fucking transition team um, because he won't ask Trump to release the goddamn funds. But here we are again. You're going to capitalize on all of our hard work and then do absolutely nothing for us. Because nothing was negotiated for the power, right? Like, the power was just transferred. So, like, now you can't show up post-haste and be like, these are the things we want. And that's exactly what all of those quote-unquote social justice leaders learned when they met with, with dude. He's like, look, y'all gonna shut the fuck up about this defund the police shit. I lost a lot of good white votes with y'all talking that nonsense. And then he brings in fucking Obama with, and you lose the people with the snappy, like, uh, snappy slogan. Snappy slogan. 
like hope you like can, you know, uh, change you can believe in was that a snappy fucking slogan because i'm telling you defund the police means i don't want to fucking die yo it means if i am alleged to have done a crime i would like to possibly be apprehended without violence and brought into a jury of my peers so i can protest my fucking innocence and that it's not like this new trend either. We talked about the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers were absolutely like, no, police are fucked up. They came into our communities to kill us. We, so even way back in our early activist and organizing history, like we've been talking about these same things because we saw or they saw, honestly, our ancestors saw where this was going. Um, I want to mention one person from uh, the cabinet specifically, uh, Nira Tandon. Now, she oh uh, that's that motherfucker that was talking about uh we don't give hitler enough credit yeah no I mean, yeah so there's a list of things here and i wanted to go over those things because as we see now the wars i, I don't, I don't want to say dying down i really don't know what to what to say but i do remember a time you know 20 15 years ago where it felt like you know america was in, it was in major conflicts like open conflicts of of course um, and, you know, we, we were hoping now that we were just talking about taxes, you know, and most of our taxes go to the military industrial complex. Well, Bing. Nira Tandon is really into the military industrial complex. Uh, but the U.S. bombing of Libya, uh, Tandon tweeted her support for Gaddafi's removal. And then she suggested that it wouldn't be crazy if they partially paid for the war with oil. All the U.S. interventions should be funded by countries with oil. That was something that was uh, leaked out. Um, so in 2013, when Obama was considering bombing Syria, Tandon tweeted out that she supported that intervention on Syria. And, you know, she was like, oh, I don't want to be the world's policeman, but we got to police the world. She also invited Benjamin Netanyahu to speak Aww, in Washington, D.C. That gross. was actually a protest that I was at. Um, and this is a person now that is in office, a part of this cabinet. You know, like, again, what what did we really win? For I think me, that's I a was, conversation that we need to have dead. with ourselves. I was dead immediately when the tweet came out that uh, literally the quote was, we don't give Hitler enough credit for, like, all the work he did against the communists. Like, what kind of person of color says shit like that? I mean, also the she, kind that makes Biden's cabinet. Yeah, honestly, and uh, you know that the fact that she supports the military-industrial complex and is going to oversee the Office of Management, uh, the OMB essentially, which is you know overseeing the budget for all of Congress. Um, and, and God, and it's so funny because you know it's kind of bad when the par someone in the party is like, Ugh. I, I mean, I don't think she's Democrat. If she is, she's a bad one and biden of course is like well she's a brilliant mind i need her brilliant. think tank connections think tank networking activate and this, is, and this is how i feel right and, I, and this is the last thing i got to say about it because i have to not talk about it because it makes me angry uh i mean you and i uh, and kita for several seasons put out everything to know about biden and now this has happened right but there were people that were clouded the fuck up all kind of blue fucking check tw uh, twitter that's all like oh let's vote for this guy bite our tongue you know we can move him to hold so our nose so now ah. that we know that that can't happen what steps are you doing to actively get rid i thought harm harm reduction was y'all shit so what are y'all doing now to mitigate the harm that biden is doing are you already actively talking to your networks about primarying him on in 2024 right are you already working on building your candidate because you know that he can't be pushed to the left are you working on that right now 
Also, Senate Congress seats for, uh, you know, in another two years. So people have to think about that, too. Um, not just the presidential pick. Another conversation to have, because I don't want it to be so despondent. I feel like there's work that we can do and that we have to rally together to do it. It's just disheartening to be like, yeah, I'm not going to fucking vote for Biden because he isn't different from Trump. And then to see his cabinet picks, to see the shit that he said about um, black communities, uh, the way he's been entirely dismissive. And then it's like, well, you guys can't argue that I hired the first woman of color over the OMB. You can't be upset that I finally got uh, a Latin A woman over a Department of Homeland Security, and it's embrace and, and co-opt. It's just yeah, but there is a lot of work we still got to do, and and we're gonna be out here doing it. And all those people who did say, "Hold your nose, lesser of two evils," we can do the work after he's in office. Okay, well, let's do it. Ooh, my man, you have any uh, any follow up points to that? Nah, man, twenty twenty four already begins, and if. For those of you that are, for whatever reason, still identify as Democrats, I think you have an obligation to begin to remove the harm that is happening to indigenous people, to black people, to queer people that your candidate is about to do. And not just the presidential elections, again, local, local. I mean, yeah, um, well, I, there was something I wanted to, to say uh, before we close out, if I may. Yes. Am I affirmed? You are affirmed, sir. Cha-ching. We hold you dear. Thank you very much. Um, you know, as a, a young, uh, inspiring revolutionary, it is difficult to, like, wrap our minds around the enormity of this oppressive society. You know, that can be really tough. Sometimes I get a little down. Uh, sometimes I got to, you know, play a sad song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me go back to something that I, I read today and I, I read earlier on this podcast. An affinity group, okay? An affinity group is a small group of 5 to 20 people who work together autonomously on direct actions or other projects. Affinity groups generally consist of like-minded people who come together to get something done. If you already have an affinity group, link up and cluster with those groups. I feel like if you're lost, I feel like if you don't know where to start, and of course, it's very difficult in the Rona. I'm, I'm not suggesting you even leave the house. Um, but these but, are things that can be done digitally. Yeah, and it's a great place to start. And I just wanted to, uh, uh, you know, parlay that and say, like, I'm really a combination of all the amazing leftist people that have come into my life, including uh, the two people that are sitting next to me here at Matrix Studios. And I can imagine how vastly different my views on the world would be if I didn't come into contact with these people and listened. You know, that's, that's a, a, the political education part of it. You know, and that's what we're just trying to do here. There's so many podcasts you can listen to. I'm so glad you're listening to us. If you're having trouble Find those like-minded people. Sometimes it's not your friends. It's not your family. It's not the network you're already connected to. But they definitely out there. You know, it's like uh, we were talking about earlier that that great North Vietnamese uh, leftist, you know, that I saw uh, quite by accident. This is a global struggle. People around the world are working for the same shit you're working for. 250 million Indians are protesting corporate fascism in India. North Vietnam is protesting encroachment by corporations. All around the world, people are doing this work. So even if you don't know them, know that the work is being done and just do your fucking part, man. Any uh, final statements from you, Kita? Yeah, y'all are my affinity group, and I love you so much. I'm really grateful for you. Uh, 
are awesome. Leo gang in here. Fire sign. I see you over there, Aries. With the Leo energy permeating. Uh, Edge of the Matrix podcast um, at gmail.com. Matrix podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay hydrated, stay woke, and stay well. Any any closing comments from you? The comments. We're bar snapper. And let me tell you something. Sixty yards in the snow. <laughs> 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 <laughs>